they're doing the treadmill. Else. Yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not into the. They're not watching the video stuff. Although I will tell you, um, I broke one of the uh, the common myths of video creation the other day. I did a twenty six minute, essentially, ta- yeah, talking head video. Uh, we're almost at two thousand views, which is a lot for my videos, and um, the completion percentage is like seventy percent. You're in Brendan Burchard territory. <laughs> well, I just I knew it was a, I knew the topic itself would do very well, but um, I meant to do a ten minute video, and when I got done recording, I had forty five minutes of footage, and. Um, Without hiring an outside editor who would be impartial, I could the the farthest I could get it down was twenty six minutes, and I just said fuck it, I'm publishing it. So I just was at a client. They said, uh, Anthony, can you talk for two minutes about this? <laughs> I said, I can't talk for two minutes about anything. Exactly. I can't say hello in two minutes. I you know, know. Uh, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, two minutes means ten. Yeah, I can do exactly. ten on that. <laughs> Hundred percent. So, what's going on with you, man? I know you got your um, the outbound conference. I've seen that all over LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, I, it looks like you're. I've, for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe because the conference, and I've started to like pulling stuff together. I've just seen your stuff all over the place recently. I don't know why. Mostly on LinkedIn for some reason. Are you are you there more? Or no, but I'm gonna be. I'm just trying to figure out the strategy because yeah. I'm complicated in that I have. Um, I still own three staffing firms. You know, I've got $50 million worth of businesses that I'm running. Yeah. I'm speaking, I'm coaching, I'm consulting, I'm flying all over the world. You know, tomorrow I'm off to London and then I'm in New York on Thursday. The next week I'm in San Francisco doing Creative Live and SAP and then... Oh, awesome. I mean, I'm all over the place. So it's um, <clears throat> it's just I'm not sure what I want my content strategy to be. Uh, quite yet on LinkedIn. So yeah. that is, that's the struggle that I'm having is like, what do I want to do here? And what do I want to be on this particular platform? And I'm thinking, um, I'm, I'm thinking it might just be, I might just do leadership over there. Yeah. Well, I know leadership does really well. Um, habits do really well. Like basically self-development, leadership, management, that kind of stuff um, tends to do really yeah. well. That's what I'm probably going to do. Yeah. And, and you know, I, what I've been doing on LinkedIn, because I don't know, I, I, I hate, I, I love social media, but I hate the, um, the obligation that inevitably you're constantly fighting even when you know it's wrong. You know what I mean? That like obligation to post. I hate that feeling. Uh, I've been fighting with people over it for a long time and we can talk about this if you want to. I, I think that social selling is bullshit. And I, I think that the way that it's been framed is what makes it that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's completely necessary. But right now you're just seeing Jill Rowley put out something saying, you know, people still need to cold call and now they're not cold calling. Yeah. I said that in 2009. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can't stop what's necessary to create opportunities. And then uh, Jamie's group at Sales for Life had a post out, like, if you think cold calling is dead, you're wrong, and here's why. And I'm like, 
only took me nine years, you yeah. know, of telling people like this is additive. It's above the funnel. It's brand yeah. building. It's mind share gaining. But you still have to pick up the phone and call somebody yeah. in sales in real sales. Dude, let's um, just let's just roll with it. I, I didn't. I'll just start and then we'll do an intro well, later because I love this topic. I'm I I'll be I told you this when we were talking about you coming to elevate was yeah. the reason that I wanted you there was I'm starting to worry that there is a generation of sales professionals, uh, specifically in my industry, but I'm sure it's the case for many, um, that are somehow under the misconception that if you, if you, and I'm do, you can't see me air quotes, do social media, that that yeah. is essentially selling. And it, 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 I, you know, I'm with you. I, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And, and that's a hundred percent why we have you coming. You know, is that, is that bring us back to reality on what yes. it actually means to be a salesperson? I will, I will do that and more. Yeah. I, um, how much time do we have? I got to be somewhere at three. So how long are you? We will podcasts? be done well before that. 25, 30 minutes okay, usually. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to dive in right here. I've done this before where I'm having my pre-call with somebody on the podcast and I'm like, good thing I just, I hit record at the beginning because yeah. sometimes I like, we just, I'm starting right in the middle of our conversation. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, let's but it's do good. this. Give me the two minutes. Just give me your two minute intro. However you describe yourself, I will fill in the blanks later if need be, though I'm sure that won't. And then let's keep going on this topic because I love it. I'm, I'm dialed okay. right in on this. I mean, I, I think what, what for an intro, I think it's important for people to know I'm an international speaker. I'm an author, um, particularly of sales books right now, but I hope to be able to stretch out of that if, if portfolio allows me to. They like me right in my lane. The first book is the only sales guide you'll ever need, and that's a competency model for all the things that you have to be able to do and who you have to be, character traits and attributes to succeed in sales today. And a second book, The Lost Art of Closing, which is the first real book on closing, um, I would argue, in decades. It's it's not tie downs. It's not tactical. It's all uh, character driven and conversations that a trusted advisor would have fearlessly knowing that they're a peer. And my third book is coming out in October on the 16th. It's called Eat Their Lunch. And that's about how you competitively displace somebody and take accounts from other people. You know, I do the, the blog daily. I've done the blog daily since December 28th, 2009. And now I'm doing YouTube. I'm trying to get the daily, but it ends up being four or five times a week only because I have so much trouble when I'm on the road. Yeah. Is that enough for you? That's a heck of a lot of stuff. Yeah. That is a heck of a lot of stuff. So, um, so I want to get right back into this topic that we were talking about because I, cause I love this. I mean, um, what, maybe here's the, the way I want to frame this question. What do you, why do you think so many people, why do you think people so readily gravitated away from traditional, well, I'm just going to say as a broad sweeping soak, the more traditional sales tactics, pop-ins, uh, cold calling, some of that stuff. It feels like all of a sudden they were like, someone gave people permission to just forget that that stuff existed and feel yeah. like social is the thing. And, um, and we are completely aligned on the fact that it's a hundred percent, not uh, the only thing it's, it's an additive you use. So, so maybe why, yeah. why did they move so quickly away from it? Okay. There's a bunch of factors here and I'm, I'm, and I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to ask you to take responsibility with me. <laughs> I will. So, so be honest. I'm going to ask you a question before I go into this. Yep. 
Social media has been very good to you. Very good. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Me too. And I remember when you started. Yep. Because you and I connected very early on. I think about 2010. Yeah, it was when 20, you it was first 2010. Did, yep, 2010. It was a long time ago, yep. and you decided to go all in. And I think the reason that you reached out to me and we had any kind of communication is because you were watching me all in. Yep. And you're like, I'm going all in. Yes. And and you did. And it's been very good for you. So there's a couple classes of people. So there are people who do thought leadership work like I do and who are coaches and consultants and speakers and authors. Social media way over indexes for us. It way over indexes. And then people like me and a lot of people on LinkedIn, they get so hyped up about it. They're like, all salespeople should be doing this. And then you go, uh, maybe. So if you're in a pharmaceutical industry, you can absolutely say nothing without breaking the law. If you're in a financial industry, you can say almost nothing without breaking the law. And then you're assuming that everyone, Ryan, is a natural content creator mm-hmm. and they wake up like I do every day with three ideas they want to either write down or shoot on video. And they don't. Some people are more content synthesizers and some people are curators and some people are really good at, at other things. And we, we assume this. And then you look at a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, who uh, you did his event, Agency Nation, right? Yep. And, yep. and you look at him and you go, everybody should be doing what Gary's doing, but there's only one Gary and we have Gary, you know, and, and he's a wonderful guy. I spent a day with him at his office with his team. He's a wonderful guy. He's a delightful human being. He's right about most things, but it's very difficult for a salesperson to to create content. And depending on what industry you're in, and we're talking to a different group of people here on your show, what happened is there was so much hype that started around 2008, 2009 of like social selling is the thing. You don't have to do anything else. Build your brand. People are going to be the path to your door. And the people that were saying it were thought leaders who were getting a lot of work and they think, well, that's going to immediately translate to every other person on earth. Not true. Um, while we were having our pre-conversation, I went back and looked yesterday. The first time I wrote that the anti-cold calling, uh, people were charlatans was July of 2009. I saw it then. I said, wait a second. This is a dangerous path we're running people down. They're saying never make a cold call. They're saying never interrupt a client, never be closing. And I'm thinking the all the whole sales process is closing. I got to say, Ryan, can I have your time? So I have to close you for your time. And then I have to, can, can I explore what you're doing now and where there might be some areas where we might be able to get you a better outcome than you're getting now? I got to ask you to explore. And then if it makes sense, I've got to say, does it make sense to do something different? And can we talk about what kind of investment might be necessary? The whole conversation is around commitments. And unless, if you're listening to this, unless you woke up this morning and there were a line of people outside of your door waiting to buy from you, you have to do outbound prospecting. And the only group I've ever seen that's been able to pull off having a line of people is Apple. Apple's the only group of people that when they put a phone out, people stand in line to get it. The rest of us have to hustle. And the advice was criminal negligence, you know, uh, at best. And it was malpractice at worst for people to say this. But we've just now started for people to come back and say, wait a second, we are now starved of opportunities because we thought that just being on social media was going to be enough. And it turns out that it's not enough. And the problem is, is that they've gone sometimes years without really having the prospecting discipline. So to one earlier point that you and I were talking about, there's a generation of people that have come into sales or into a role where they're an agent 
and they've never done prospecting and they've only been told that things should just come to them through inbound. And when it's not true, they're in deep trouble. Yeah. You have to be so incredibly good at inbound marketing um, that uh, to not have to do outbound. You also then have to have, and so this is this is my, you you got to be five out of a hundred, top five out of a hundred at inbound, just at inbound in order to make it happen. Then you got to have, and I'll tell you this from personal experience because I've fallen into this trap. I mean, I'm a recovering salesperson. I found you because I hated sales so much. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Right. And then, so I started reading like the stuff that you were doing and there were a couple other people, um, um, that I found and I just said, okay. And, and, and it started to, to feel real. And then I went all the way down the rabbit hole into just complete inbound, no outbound at all. And I had some really dark days from a, from a salesperson's perspective. Right. And now I've come back out and I can tell you firsthand as a recovered inbound only guy that, um, if you're not doing both, you're at, you're at best leaving money on the table. At worst, you, you probably don't have a future. You have to have such a lead time, so much runway if you're going to go inbound only. And then you still have to be amazing closer because really what inbound is, is just knowing how to do all the same stuff in the digital format. I mean, am I, does that make sense what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just- it, it does. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you're really a good salesperson and inbound and I get a lot of inbound, I mean, I'm, I'm continually working and I have more work than I can do. And it, for me, it's, that's a full-time job. I mean, just the content creation, you know, this, it's yep. a full-time job. Yep. Uh, and I'm happy. I'm fortunate that I'm happy when I'm working and I work about 12 hours a day, seven days a week because I like working. So I'm, I'm happy to do all the things I do. And people are like, well, what do you do for fun? I, what I do is fun. I love what I do, but I also have people who make outbound calls for me and we have targets and we pursue those targets like a traditional sales organization. And when people say, wow, we're surprised that you picked up the phone and called us. And I say, why would you be surprised that somebody who teaches people how to sell picks up the phone and calls people? What would you want me to teach your people? I mean, this is what we do. We call people, we ask for referrals, we show up, we knock on doors, we go to trade shows. We do every single thing that we can think of to develop opportunities because that's what it takes. And I think that your experience is the experience a lot of people are having right now is, wait a second, a lot of people went all in on this and they still can't produce enough uh, opportunities through just this inbound channel. Yeah. And for those of us who have been around for a long time, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough right now to remember all of the, the fashions that came before this fashion. So selling is a fashion business and there's always something new that's walking down the runway. And for a long time, it was CRM. Oh, once you have a CRM, your forecast is going to be accurate. You're going to be winning more deals because you're going to see all this stuff. You're going to have these great records. And it turns out it didn't move the needle at all. I mean, the CRM didn't help at all. And then in the B2B world, challenger sales comes out. Challenger sales, a great idea. It's leading with insight. Everyone listening to this should be able to do that. You should be able to lead with, this is why it's imperative that you do something different now. That's a really important concept. And then we found out that's really hard to do. You actually have to have some depth. You have to have deep subject matter expertise and knowledge to be able to pull it off. So a 24-year-old walking in and telling a 52-year-old, you don't know how to run your business ends up being really awkward for the 24 year old <laughs> when he gets a second question. 
And, and then we went to social selling. Social selling is going to mean that you never have to prospect again. That's what people said. You're not going to have to prospect again. You'll never have to make another cold call. And how many salespeople loved hearing that? I never have to make another cold call. This is the greatest thing ever. And there are still people who put little LinkedIn things up where they show dinosaurs. And they're like, if you're still using cold calls, you're a dinosaur. And, and these are people who don't have any opportunities. And you're, you're telling people who are struggling that they're not the root cause of their problem. And this is probably, Ryan, where I get really sideways with people, is you're giving people who are struggling to take care of their family, they're struggling to grow their business, and you're telling them that they don't have to do whatever is necessary to go build new opportunities and that they should sit back passively and wait. That's not good advice to give people, and it's mean, and it's criminal negligence, and it's malpractice. You have to do everything. So it's not inbound or outbound, and they always frame it up like that. You could either be a social seller or you could do cold calls. And it's not mutually exclusive. You can do both, and you can also ask for referrals, and you can also show up at conferences. You can do all kinds of things, and you should. You should do all of them. I so one of the things, um, and, and so everyone listening knows, um, Anthony is going to be a keynote speaker on Tuesday at Elevate. Uh, that is part of the reason we're having this conversation. It also just gives me an excuse to talk to you because I think uh, this is so incredibly important to our industry right now. Um, and also, this is another fun fact for everyone listening: the first five hundred people to register at Elevate get a copy of Anthony's newest book, The Lost Art of Closing, which is pretty gangster too. Because I read through this thing. Um, I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you, I kept coming back. And, and actually, this is something, I, a conversation I had um, with one of my people today. And it's at the very front of the book. And let me go back to where I have it marked. Um, because for, for me, all these things, yeah, I, let me ask you this question. And this is maybe slightly off topic. Why is it that the further... So when you first start out, I feel like you always focus on tactics, right? Then yeah, you go from yeah. tactics to strategy. And then as you mature and gain more experience, you go to mindset. And and I feel like, and, and, and right at the front of, um, was this whole idea of philosophy. And I loved the, you know, how the ancient, um, the ancient Greeks philosophy wasn't something they debated. It was something they lived like that, yeah. that to me, like completely hit home because it's where I'm at. And the, it was actually the first three mindsets that I wanted to talk to you about as a, as a teaser for, for ultimately what will be uh, your keynote at Elevate, um, and actually, the first one is not the first one you have listed. The very first mindset that you have in here um, that really hit me, and I saw it um, throughout my readings of uh, The Only Sales Guide You Ever Need, your first book, and then through this one as well, was the word caring. You kept using yeah. the word caring. And I yeah. preach to my people, the reason we win is because we give a shit, right? At the end of the right. day, we give yep. a shit. And that's how we win. And as long as we can, as long as we never create a situation in our company where we don't give a shit, as long as we're always working in that framework, then, then we'll always win eventually. So what is it about this idea of caring? Why is it so important to the sales process? Salespeople for a long time were seen as self-oriented, pushy, smarmy, manipulative, uh, take advantage of you. You know, th there was this disparity between what the salesperson knows and what you know about a product. And so this negative connotation happened and it, it happened just generally. And even when I ask young people, what are salespeople like? They still have all these negative words, even though they never bought anything from a salesperson, they still know them. And it's sort of uh, just how things 
are right now because the connotation has stuck so deeply in sort of the American psyche around what salespeople are and what we do. And then I ask young people like who, who raise your hand if your mom works in sales. And I get about, I don't know, three or four hands. And I'm like, so your mom is a smarmy, manipulative, pushy, you know, self-oriented person. And they're like, no, my mom's none of those things. I'm like, yeah, exactly. What's your mom like? She cares about her customers. Right, exactly. That's why they buy from her. And that's why they call her on the weekend, ask for personal advice about things. The thing about caring is, and when I wrote the first book, I was asked to uh, write the book for another publisher. And I gave them the book and they're like, what on earth does caring have to do with selling? Why do you even have it in a sales book? We think it's ridiculous. It doesn't belong. You should stick to the back half of the book and not talk about mindset. And I said, you don't understand selling. And I asked the publisher, I said, have you ever sold anything before? And he said, no, I'm a publisher. And I said, then leave the thinking about sales to me and I'll leave the publishing of books to you or we can part ways. And he said, okay, I choose part ways. And, uh, and that was fine with me. I didn't want to write a book with somebody who didn't understand the book. And it turns out that in order for me to trust you, I have to believe that you care about helping me get the outcome and not about getting my money out of my pocket and into yours. And the more your focus and the more your intention is, how do I help this person get a better outcome? The easier it is for them to buy from you and the longer your relationship's going to be. And it's almost like in an Italian uh, gangster movie where a guy says something like, you know, I got a guy. You, you want to be that or you want to be the I want to be the gal. I want to be the person that I trust this person so much. I would never do anything with anybody else. And if somebody asked me, how do I solve this problem? I'm going to say, listen, I got a guy you want to talk to him. That's who you want to be. And if you don't care deeply about other people and you don't develop that trust and you don't develop the intimacy where I know them, I know how to serve them. I know what they want. I promise you, you're leaving a lot of money on the table and you're making selling a lot harder than it has to be. How do you transition from, um, cause I'm still, I'm still young enough today to remember my, my really awful sales days in the beginning. Um, and, and, and I, I have no idea. There's no moment when I can say, cause, cause now I firmly believe that. And I, I feel like I approach my business in this way, uh, which is why I had that little diatribe before I see the question. Um, but I, what can people be doing outside of just flipping a switch and saying today I care, right? Like, is there a way to work towards this? Is there a, a something that you can say to yourself or a practice, a, a mindset practice or something like that that can help you focus on, on caring? Cause I, I am, I, you are so freaking right on this. It's like, you could actually suck at all the rest of them. I feel like, and if you can get this part right, then you're going to, you have a decent chance of surviving. There, there's no doubt about it. And I will tell you the way that we've taught salespeople to sell is part of it. And I will tell you most of the people who are conscious enough to listen to a podcast like this and to show up at Elevate, they're probably already have the ability to be caring and want to do it anyway, but they don't know what they're doing wrong. So I'll just, I'll walk you through a couple things. So the first thing is don't talk about you. Don't talk about your product. Don't talk about your company at all at the beginning of a conversation. Talk about what the forces are and the factors that are going on in the general economy and in the world that should be causing somebody to change. If you want to establish your credibility, don't lean on your experience or your company's experience or your product. Don't even talk about that until you are able to relate it to something they need. So just withhold that. Never, ever, ever talk about your personal gain, 
your goals. You, you never talk about your compensation in any way, shape, or form. Try to leave yourself out of this as much as possible. And I'll give you an example because salespeople don't know when they say something like this. They're like, well, we're going to make sure we find a win-win deal. Don't even talk about your win. It, your win's not important. It's important to make sure they get their win. And if you have to defend your pricing, you don't say like, look, this needs to be a win-win. I've got to make money, which I've heard salespeople say. Instead, you just say, listen, I don't want to take any money out of your solution because I want to make sure that we invest the right amount to get you the results that you're looking for here. It's not about me. It's about them. The more time you spend listening the better the trust is going to be and the better they recognize that you're caring. And this is research that I found a couple years ago. You've always been taught to look people in the eyes, but people are actually, when they're really listening, are watching your mouth. And the fact is they're watching your mouth because they're paying attention to what you're saying. And that cues the other person that you care and that you are paying attention to what they're saying. So if you're not listening, then you're proving to them that you're really self-oriented. So you have to start looking at these behaviors. I'll give you just two more really quick as I can uh, rattle them off. Uh, showing up unprepared to have a conversation and not being able to tell them what the process looks like or asking for commitments before you've earned them. I mean, so if you if you haven't done the work to ask for the business, don't ask for the business. And that's sort of the point of the Lost Start of Closing is do all the work so that when you have the final ask, it, all I have to do is say, Ryan, unless you need something different, I feel like we're ready to get started. Can I ask you to sign this contract and I'll put this in place for you? I mean, that, that should be the whole conversation at that point. Yeah. One of the, um, I used to do, my keynote presentation used to be already sold. That used to be the title of it. Um, and the point of it was the work that we're doing, um, because I, I have this whole concept around the brackish water, which is obviously where salt water meets seawater or salt water meets fresh water. And there are certain types of animals that can survive in that environment. It's very tumultuous, right? So that's the metaphor. And I believe today, in order to be successful, we have to be able to survive in the brackish water, right? We have to have one foot in traditional and one foot in social. And the goal with all that work is that when they actually pick up the phone and call you, they're already sold. So how do you... How do you know? Because that's that's one thing that I've always found very interesting. I, you know, at twelve years into being a salesperson, I feel like I kind of have a sense for okay, there I've earned it, right? It's it's time for me to to do what you just said. But man, I think a, a lot of people, I, that's a tough thing to know. And is there a way to take my twelve years and condense it to six? Does that make sense? What I'm asking you. Yeah, I mean, and that that is the the book, the law started closing minus your foot in social. But you're right. So the social, I mean, you you asked me to come and speak at your conference, and you've known who I am. We've had a number of interactions, and maybe one conversation before that. Yep. Maybe one conversation, and I think that. But why do you trust that I'm a, the right person to bring in? And it's because you've seen what I do on social media. You've seen video of me speaking. You've seen me doing YouTube. You understand what my concepts are. You know what I'm going to talk about in front. And so most of it was done, and you're like, this is an easy decision. You, you're easy to hire. You know it's going to be good. You know that we're going to have a great time. You know people are going to be educated and have a ball while we're doing it. 
and it makes it easy to do that. But salespeople should be doing the same thing, no matter what you are, even if you're an agent. And this is the part where I think Gary Vee's right. Have a personality, share, be somebody who's sharing ideas as much as you can in as many different places where your your prospective clients are. Be the person that's always visible there so they have this thing. Like, I know Ryan. How do I know Ryan? I'll tell you how I know Ryan. He said – they don't know that we had a conversation before this conversation. But you said, I shot a 26-minute video. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw it. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, I saw – well, first I saw it on Instagram. Uh, and I'm like, what in the hell is he thinking? 26 minute video. Yeah. Are, you make, are you making a movie? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the wrong Ryan. You're thinking of Gosling or Reynolds. And now, uh, now we've got you in this, you're making movies, but they, people know you. And because they know you, they can trust you. And I think that the, that's the hard part of the hurdle to get over is I don't know you. And because I don't know you, it's hard for me to buy from you. So how do you help bend that curve down? A couple things in the law start of closing, which will, will, pass the book out at Elevate and it's easy to get on Amazon right now. Yep. We'll, we'll talk about how you go through the commitments in such a way where you're building trust the whole way. And at the same time, you're using the social channels to build that visibility and trust. So people say, I like this person. I like the way they think. They're always bringing new ideas. They're definitely somebody who's got the advice part of the trusted advisor equation. I'd be interested in hearing more to what they have to say about this. And if for some reason you can match this up and you can engage in that conversation, the conversation is just much easier. And I would, I would pass this back to you because I would, I would guarantee that you wish that you would have had that earlier, the understanding of, look, I have to be in both these places and that I have to be the trusted advisor and I have to share this. And if you would know that earlier, you might've knocked six years off of the learning curve. Yeah. You know, and how, how much of it is just reps? I mean, how much of it is just, you know, I, and again, this is something else I say to my team is I'm just like, a lot of the stuff that we do is just reps. But if you're not doing the work that we're talking about, you're not getting the reps, right? You're you're putting so much pressure on the one sales presentation you may have that week. And when it's really about, you know, it, it just how much of it is just getting in front of people, just doing the work, practicing? Um, I mean, that, that may even be a stupid question. I don't know. There's, there's no substitute for doing the work. Yeah. And most most human beings learn by making mistakes. That's how we tend to learn. And uh, it's it's an interesting thing. Like a, a lion already knows how to be a lion, but a human being doesn't know how to be a human being. And we're so complicated. We have to go through all this training. We go through grade school and high school and college. And we have our parents working. If you have a faith and you're having your faith working on you to try to make you a, a human being. When you go into the world of sales, you're immediately getting feedback on whether what you're doing is working or not. And so when you sit down with a client, you're getting immediate feedback. Is this working? You can see it if you're paying attention. This person's going to buy. I can tell you when someone's going to buy by looking at them. Uh, you probably can too. But the the challenge for us is is how do you get the reps? You just keep getting the reps. And this is where there is no substitute for the work mm-hmm. because it, it, it's, it would be like – and I, I had this interesting conversation on LinkedIn with people about books because somebody said books are stupid. You should not read books because you can't get any better reading books. And uh, that, that may be one of the dumbest things said, but I get the point here too. And I, I say it a different way. I could give you uh, eight books on swimming and you could read, read each and every one of them cover to cover and drown. Uh, 
uh, because it will not teach you how to swim. To swim, you have to get in the water. To learn how to sell, you have to get in front of clients. There's nothing that's a substitute for getting in front of clients and seeing how they react to what you're doing in front of them. And when you get that feedback and you look at it and you say, that didn't go well, what didn't go well, what do I need to change? That's the way that we really get better. Now, books and YouTube videos and showing up at a conference and going through a training and learning these things can give you the concept so you understand what you're looking for and how to make those adjustments. But there is there is just no substitute for the actual work. Yeah, I, I completely I completely agree with both points. I one books to me, um, long form articles, videos are that's how you take that ten thousand hours and make it. Uh, 9,000 hours or 7,000 hours, right? You still have to do the work, but I think they can cut time off your learning curve because and I'm, I'm sitting here going, geez, what's missing from my, from my sales thing? Persistence, right? I'm only hitting them once. I'm letting them go. I'm not following up. You know, they're, they're, so there's, it, 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 they, it brings new ideas into your mind that you wouldn't, that you may have t- had to take so much longer to figure out. I mean, that's the importance of investing yourself in high quality content, whether it's long form like a book. I like long form articles too, like little 500 word blog posts I find have little to no value. But, you know, something with some meat to it or a nice meaty video or a podcast. I mean, I, to be honest with you, if I ever meet James Altucher, I, I'm going to, I'm just, I should just hand the guy like a thousand dollar check or as much money as I have in my pocket. I mean, the, the amount that I've learned from his podcast is, is out sure. of this world, right? So, um, you know, and when he comes out with something new, I buy it from him, a new book, boom, I buy it. I don't even know if I like it. I just buy it for the same reason that you were talking about. So yeah, I, I mean, that is such a stupid statement to say books don't matter. <laughs> and that, this is this is sort of, you know, there are some people, like if I say, Ryan, don't put your hand on that fire because it will burn and it's going to hurt really bad. There's some people that still have to touch the fire. Yeah. You know, and they're like, I don't care what you wrote in that book. I'm still going to do it my way. Okay, touch the fire. And then eventually, like, you know what? I don't think I want to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't have to. We can help you. We already make a lot of mistakes. You know, the, the books that I've written personally – are are based in a large part on mistakes and just realizing that, wait, when you ask people to make the commitment for time, they think you're asking them to change vendors. And, and it took me a long time to realize, like, I'm only trying to get a commitment to just let me share some ideas with you that we think are important in the industry. And then when I did that, executives started saying, tell me what you're seeing. Tell me why you say that. And then I started to become an interesting person to people because I knew things. And then the meetings that were supposed to be 20 minutes ended up being an hour and a half. And you end up with big contracts because you do that kind of work. And it, you learn by going out and doing it. But if you get the concepts, you know, I have people that – that when I say this, when I talk about B2B sales, and you could do it with B2C too, and I say something like, Ryan, I'd like to ask you for 20 minutes of your time. I want to have a meet and greet, and during that time, what I want to do is share with you the four trends that are going to impact the insurance industry specifically over the next 18 to 24 months, particularly around some of the medical things that are going on, and some changes to legislation. What do you look like for a 20-minute meeting at the end of this week? I'm going to leave a deck with you, and I'm going to leave you some questions that you can answer yourself or get with some other people that you trust to answer. But either way, this is our best thinking about what you're going to have to ask and answer over the next 18 to 24 months. How are you looking Thursday? 
I'm, I'm telling you, I'm trading you value. I'm not asking for your time because I'm pitching you. I'm showing up with ideas that are worth your time, even if you don't do business with me. Yeah. So I'm making it easier to say yes. And I've had people send notes. Like I started using that and now I'm booked. I'm booked solid. I'm getting appointments. I'm getting C-level executives. I'm getting people that I couldn't get before because you have to think about what do they get out of the meeting? I know what you get. You're trying to get an opportunity, but what are they getting? They have to be getting something that's worth trading that time for. Do you think that that, and this goes to the to the first one of these mindsets, do you think that that goes to a confidence issue? That if we're not closing, like, to me, the 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 focus on constantly closing, which I know we're we're, we're there's a ton of micro closes to right, actually right. close the deal. But I'm saying when you're always going for the, and you've mentioned Gary Vee a couple of times, that right hook, when you're, to me it almost seems like that's because you don't have the confidence to let the relationship progress in a natural and healthy way. Do you, does that? Right, yeah, I think so. And, and I think it's not knowing what you need to do in between the first meeting and the meeting that you can have to close them. And it might be one meeting for a lot of people, but I think that you have to recognize the buyer has their own process and their psychology. Like, I don't know if I should do this. I have concerns. I'm afraid I might spend too much money. And if you're not holding their hand and helping them through that process, you go too fast for them and you become disconnected. So how do you develop confidence? Because this is, again, and I'm, I'm using you, this is kind of like free consulting for me too. So I'm, um, I was talking to uh, one, of my, one of my people today and we, um, we were building out a, uh, a sequence of emails to go along with a free trial for a product we have called Agency Nation University. And we want to give away a couple of the, of the videos that are part of the course and then add some very exclusive value, only get through that. And then the last email um, in this thing is a, is a sales email, right? Which, which directs them to either, if you're, hey, you're, you're already decided, like go right ahead and purchase or hey, we'll get on the phone. And the language was written in a way um, that was almost like um, apologizing for asking for right. a sale. And my right. words were, and, and, and what I said at the time was, you need to be more arrogant. And then I immediately kind of backpedaled on that particular word. But the idea, what I was really going for was like confidence. And, you know, to ask how important confidence is, is, is a bad question. But I guess my, what I'm asking, when, if, you're, if I'm 27, right? I'm 27 years old, incredibly good at what I do, but I haven't crossed that confidence hurdle outside of reps. What are some things that I can be doing? Because that to me is really caring and confidence solves a lot of issues in other places. Yeah, I would tell you that the the thing about being young, young comes with some uh, extraordinarily terrible disadvantages. And one is you don't know a lot. And when you're new to an industry and you're young, you you just don't know as much as some of the people that you're talking to. So how do you get confidence there? One, you're going to have to study and you're going to have to be an expert in a couple areas. But I'll, I'll give you the areas that you should think about. The first area is you really need to understand how your business works. You need to understand how the business works. What's the model? How do we make money? How do we serve people? How does this whole thing work? So that's the first thing you need to be really, really aware of. The second thing is the intersection between your customer and your business. That's the area you have to know better than anybody else. And I'll give you an example of this, because if you get smart and you listen to CNBC and you read and you study and you read your journals and you read 
uh, expert opinions, you come up with a point of view. So I still have staffing businesses. And I will tell you right now that the statistics are 11,000 baby boomers retire every day in America. That's 4.3 million people leaving the workforce, which means you need 358,000 people to enter into the workforce just to be even every single month. This month we had a record in February at record job starts. It was 313,000, still 40,000 less than the replacement rate for the baby boomers that are retiring. And I know facts like that because I know more than you know about the intersection between my business and your business or your life. And I also know that the unemployment rate is 4.1. There were less than 220,000 unemployment claims for the first time uh, last week, which means we now have the lowest number of economic or uh, unemployment claims since Richard Nixon's first year in 1969. You have to be able to talk like that. You have to be able to say, listen, this vehicle for you is a different vehicle, and here's why I think this is more important for you. You said that you're gonna try to retire 10 years early, which means you're gonna have to be super aggressive at this point. You're gonna want this in this place. So you have to be able to talk this way. The second thing is you you need to go to other people who know more than you, and you need to ask them if they will help coach you on what the conversation needs to sound like. And if you're brave enough to role play with people, role play and start having the parts of the conversation where you're creating value. Because getting the reps in in practice is safer than getting the reps in real life. In real life, when you're getting your reps, you lose deals. But if you rehearse and you find somebody like, I, I would tell you, show up at Elevate, meet new people, and then grab somebody and say, Anthony said we should have a study buddy and I should call and pitch you and you call and pitch me back. I'll object to everything you say. I'll tell you what my concerns are and we'll go back and forth and work on getting better because there, there's, there's two things that give you your results in sales endeavors. One is your efficiency. How hard do you work? Are you taking the reps? Are you putting forth the effort? But the second is effectiveness. And if you want confidence, it's going to come from the effectiveness part. I know how to handle this conversation. I know how to get this outcome. You get that through learning, but you don't have to do all of your learning by getting the experience of losing. You can have other people share with you. You can rehearse. You can write scripts. You can practice those. Um, the best reps I know, they got their talk tracks down cold. And so they're never taken off guard. They can still think on their feet. You should still be able to do that, but it doesn't matter what comes at them. They know what the answer is. It's, it's interesting, uh, Ryan, when you know the conversation better than the client. And if you watch this video, you can go out and search Bob Berg from uh, The Go-Giver at a Zig Ziglar um, memorial event, I think, where he tells the story about uh, listening to Zig's Born to Win, I think, or no, See You at the Top. And he said he listened to it. He told me this uh, my, himself. He listened to that 16 times. And maybe on the 16th time he realized Zig's question that he asked the client was, are you concerned about the price or are you concerned about the cost? And it's such a great line. I use it all the time, especially with purchasing people, because they're like, what? Price or cost? Aren't they the same thing? Um, and then you start to get to educate people. But when he left and he did it for the first time, he got in his car and he said, I got it. I know the script better than they do. I know the next question that's coming. I know the next concern that's coming. And when you're armed like that, the confidence just goes straight up. Yeah. You, know, you got to do the work. I, I agree. You know, I used to, um, so my father-in-law, when I was uh, coming up, 
we our schedule was you you woke up in the mo- morning, you came into work, and you did uh, commercial lines, property casualty insurance, um, during the day. At 4.30, you were allowed to go home and have a 90 minutes with your spouse for dinner, and then you came back to the office and you prospected personal lines insurance. At a certain point, he threw a phone book on my desk and said, start in the yellow section. And um, so I hated that. I hated it with a passion. Um, so what I used to do is I would pick the phone up so he could hear the dial tone because he was a couple of us down. I would dial like a bunch of random numbers and then I would really quietly hang the phone up and just listen to him do his prospecting calls. And that's when I learned um, he literally had a story for every possible objection that someone could give him. Right. Every question they could have about an insurance policy, he had a story for. He wouldn't even answer. They would ask the question and he would just go right into the story. There was no like, well, let me tell. It was just, well, but da 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 And he had these stories. And I heard these stories so many times that I started telling the stories as if they were mine. And right. that changed the entire course of my sales career. Um, you know, I still didn't have the confidence prospecting. I had a lot of other deficiencies in my game at that time. But man, once I got across the table from them, like you just said, knowing, having the confidence to know like what they were going to ask and having that response to it or a couple different versions of a response that you could, you know, kind of morph to the situation. Oh, I mean, it is like, it is such a game changer. It's a game changer. I, I had a uh, phone book in 1992 and uh, I got the white pages with the business section in the back and I got to M uh, before I had so much business. I never had to dial out of that list again, but I, I did the same thing. It's a great way to learn. It's just banging out calls. Yeah. And you hear no and you, well, you'll hear a lot of crazy things because when no, when people don't know you're calling, you never know what you're going to get, but you... You definitely understand how to deal with situations. So, Anthony, man, this is phenomenal. I, don't, I, I mean, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. It's, it's how important I think it is. I am so, so glad, so appreciative of you taking time and coming to Elevate. And I, I'm, I'm incredibly happy that we're able to give so many, uh, so many copies of the Lost Art of Closing to attendees. But um, I want to make sure because the, the other book, and, and you very graciously sent me um, a copy of this. The only sales guide you'll ever need. Uh, I am going to probably on Instagram give away my copy. It's going to have some dog ears in it and some circled things, but I've read through it. Um, I am not giving away my lost art of the closing because I, uh, I this is the one that for me personally I want to go back through. But I'm going to give this away. But if people want to get either one of these books as a as a precursor to the event, where, where do they go? Where can they learn more about you? Go to Amazon.com for the book. And maybe, Ryan, you do your Instagram, and we'll say that um, the five best comments on your uh, Instagram, uh, I'll send them uh, autographed copies of the book, too. That's amazing. So, so yeah, let's uh, make it rock. Great. So I will uh, – it's Friday today. So when I post this next week on Wednesday, you're never going to know this because you're listening. But um, uh We'll do that. We'll do that. The timing's not gonna not gonna work for when they listen to this. But everyone who's listening to this should be connected to me on Instagram, um, Instagram dot com forward slash agency underscore nation, and we'll run a big thing and give these away because this is a book. If you do 
any, even internal stuff. I mean, I, what I found about the only sales guy was because so much of business is, 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 is selling, even if you don't feel like you're selling, right? You're trying to get uh, initiative inside your company. You're trying to help um, a coworker better understand something. Even if it doesn't always have to be, I think that you started the conversation, right? That smarminess, like yeah. it's everything is, is selling. It's c- communicating. It's such a big part of getting things done and moving forward. Um, and I really think that's important. So Amazon for the books, where can they learn more about you and your work? Best place to go is thesalesblog.com or youtube.com forward slash Anna Reno. Okay. I will have everything linked up in the show notes for this episode when it comes out. So just head on over to agency nation forward slash podcast and you'll see this episode. You'll be able to find it there. All the, all the podcasts are there. Um, click in, you'll have all the links. Otherwise go to the salesblog.com and you'll be able to find all this stuff. Guys, Anthony's keynoting Tuesday. It is going to be rock star. It fits so well into the overall narrative of the conference. And you absolutely do not want to miss this. Um, Go to elevateconference.com, elevateconference.com right now. And I'm going to give you, because you're a listener to the the podcast, which you guys know, don't tell anybody, but you're my favorites. um, Go to elevateconference.com and when you go to purchase your ticket type in special 100 that'll give you $100 off your ticket and you will see me there you'll see Anthony there and you'll see 699 of the coolest insurance professionals in the entire world Anthony it's been my very much uh, very much been my pleasure to have you on the show man mine too great doing this with you Ryan can't wait till June great thanks again buddy you got it they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Alright, yeah, let's do that again If they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Alright, yeah, let's get into it A lot of things have happened since we last spoke Like smash hopes, half empty, not as glass is broke And I'm the captain of this crash boat when it's time to sink and swim, I always choose to do the backflow. I know that not a lot of humans are as sharp as I am. My modesty's my greatest quality, it's not I'm lying. I know I'm only just alright with this hard of rhyming. No, I'm not applying myself. In fact, I'm hardly trying. But just imagine what would happen if I stuck to rapping, man. I'd probably have a helicopter and a couple mansions with some guard dogs and a bunch of fans they love attacking. Probably not, but it's fun to imagine. Hey, yeah. I can't complain of where I'm at, I'm just happy to be here. I'd be ecstatic if we happen. To have a repeat here Thanks to pro leader I'm rapping the heaters While passing the reefer Man, that's what I call Having a breather If they show love I'ma show it back If the catch is too small I'ma throw it back I've done a lot But I ain't got a lot To show for that I've done a lot But I ain't got a lot To show for that Now I'm trying to rap while I act like I don't want to make it So fuck a record deal I only say that cause they haven't made the offer yet I'm confident they never will My only competition is myself from the year previous It's clear to me I have to fear greediness And steer clear from that media hype and devious types I'm booking my expedient flights immediately 
done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. So if they show love, I'ma show it back. If the cat 